you're worried about your own or someone's mental health, start the conversation and access support. Visit www.stagehattie.com.au slash gethelp for a list of services. This week's episode of Unannounced is probably brought to you by Borders by the Bay. Be sure to join the movement by using the code UNANNOUNCED15 at the checkout for a cheeky discount off your order. On this week's episode, I'll be chatting to Josh Bells from the Australian Hockey Team. Hope you enjoy the episode. Well, uh, yeah, welcome to the podcast, Josh. Um, if you just want to give us a bit of a background on yourself, sort of school, sport, growing up, and yeah, we'll just sort of go from there. Yeah, cool. So, um, yeah, name's Josh Belt. Grew up in Tassie, a family home at Old Beach, and went to, to primary school at uh, Rosetta Primary with still a few of my close friends today. And um, from there, went to Newtown High School and then Elizabeth College and and uh, did a year of UTAS before I uh, moved over to Perth. What was high school like for you? Obviously, that transition from primary to high school, Newtown High being an all-boys school, what was that like for you? Yeah, yeah, it was different, definitely. I think um, I had a lot of really close friends, obviously, as you do during primary school, and then not a heap ended up going to, to Newtown. I think the, the feeder school was obviously Rosetta, um, or the Rosetta primary kids went to Rosetta High, so or Montrose High, whatever whatever it's called now. So um, a lot of my mates went either there or some Virgils. So yeah, there wasn't a, wasn't a heap of close friends, but I really enjoyed it. I liked I liked the school. I got along well with some of the teachers and even some of the some of the guys who were in my home group and things like that. So I ended up making making some good quality friends really close to the start of the year, which was nice. During that though, you were prefect in um, grade ten. How was that? Yeah, that was. Um, I've always sort of liked those little leadership roles and tried to seek them out I think particularly around that sort of age as well like I was a big one for making good impressions I think so when I went to Newtown in year seven I just about said yes to everything I could like that on your on your system or whatever it yeah. is. I was I was bracketing yeah. them up pretty quick just trying to do my best trying to I suppose look as good as I could so from the start um like year seven I think I was on the SRC or whatever it is and Looking back, I don't think it's necessarily that you get you get too much done, but I suppose you get a bit of an experience about working as part of a smaller group and uh, I suppose trying to trying to make school life better for those around you and yourself. But yeah, I enjoyed the prefect role, and I think by year ten, I had some uh, like I said before, some really close friends who were also um, I suppose similarly uh, interested in that sort of thing. And Andy Reading, who was the head prefect at the time, he was he was really passionate and and one of my good mates as well. So. Yeah, I suppose the prefects sort of things maybe came second to just catching up and yeah, trying to do what we could. What sort of leadership qualities do you reckon you learnt the most when you were a prefect? Yeah, I think um, leadership quality. I try and and I suppose um, looking at what I do now, we still sort of have to have a bit of leadership stuff. So, but from a prefect perspective, um, I just wanted to be someone who was approachable. Um, or I'd like to think that I was someone who was approachable um, and someone who. Would, would listen um like i said before i don't know how much pull we actually had in terms of what we could get done or or anything like that but i think for me it wasn't about yeah necessarily trying to bark orders or control too much it was about being someone who you could go up and talk to as a friend or a mate or even just an acquaintance who you'd trust i think that was probably the out of the things that i did as a prefect i think I'd like to think that that was probably the, the main one that i was yeah. open and approachable what was your childhood like? I was talking to your brother Hayden the other day and you're saying you were a pretty competitive person growing up. Yeah, yeah, I think we were we were very we were still are very competitive. Yeah, I think that's something that I really treasured um, and still do treasure was just the 
relationship we had and, and it's different now I suppose both being young adults yeah growing up with Hados I suppose a bit lucky that I was a few years older so I was naturally just a little bit bigger or, or something like that so when it came to, to blows at the end of an argument I typically got out on top I don't know whether that had happened these days yeah it, it was awesome we um I remember like the amount of times we got banned from playing sport in the living room because we'd break something but then you know it'd be a couple of days and we'd be back at it um yeah. I'm a turn to fire so yeah, it was super competitive. Um, and I think mum and dad really fostered that competitive but um, nice nature as well. Uh, it was never sort of forced upon us or like they both play play sport and still do. Um, and I think it would be easy to assume that they just sort of forced us into, into hockey or, or didn't give us a choice um, about what we did. But um, yeah, there were plenty of opportunities, which I'm very grateful for. I remember doing like, any sport under the sun and, um, you know, and I did gymnastics for, I think, six months. As soon as mum outlaid all the money on the um, uniform and whatnot, I decided to quit. So yeah, there's a couple of little things like that. But yeah, no, it was, it was good fun. Do many people know about the gymnastics career? Yeah, no, not a great deal, I don't think. I remember I got a trophy. I think I was probably one of only two people in my, you know, in gymnastics is not, I suppose, a super big sport. Um, definitely not in Tasmania. So I can't remember exactly, but I do remember I've got a trophy. I think it's in my bedroom back at home, which I um, get out every now and then. Yeah, so you obviously didn't want to take that any further, maybe Olympic Games. Yeah, well, I don't know. It was one of those ones I look back on now. And um, like I think gymnastics is such a, an incredible sport in terms of just the amount of raw strength and power you've got to have. And I think maybe if I had continued a bit longer, some of the the movements and just the strength I think could translate pretty well over to, to hockey. Um, so yeah, it wasn't something I necessarily pursued too long at the time, but um, looking back, I'm sure, yeah, I know maybe there's a little bit of something in there to gain. So you spoke about your little games in the living room with Hayden. He was mentioning that at times when your competitive nature kicked in, you'd start winning a game and you'd quit. So he wouldn't win. Convenient for him to say, I suppose. Um, <laughs> no, it was, one of, it was one of those ones where, um, you know, and half the games we made were with um, very relaxed rules. And yeah, we're both super competitive. I remember, um, yeah, all the games, like I reckon he did the same thing. He'd get up and try and quit or, and I got, got to the point where like I knew he wouldn't, like, he wouldn't let me stop if I was winning and he'd just get angrier and angrier and which I think just played into my hands a bit and I'd manage to score a few more goals or score a few more points and whatever we were doing. So yeah, yeah, they, those got very competitive. So you touched on sport and hockey a little bit there with your parents both playing. When did that sort of start for you? Because I know you played you played a bit of soccer and um, obviously with gymnastics. When did that sort of love for hockey sort of kick in? Yeah, I think I played a lot of sports as a kid. I remember like I did tennis for a bit. Gymnastics was a very small portion, but I feel like it's going to get a bigger round now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, tennis, um, obviously hockey and soccer um, were the main ones at school. But I think, I don't know, as a probably a, a primary school kid, I think I enjoyed soccer a little bit more. We had such a good group. Um, so Scott Bowden, Will Page, and I could go on. Just a, a really good bunch of guys at primary school who I'm still really close with today. But we were very successful, um, albeit just a primary school soccer. I really enjoyed that. And we had such a good group of like-minded people. So I think at primary school it was... Yeah, more soccer. And then I don't know when exactly, like I always spent every weekend down at the hockey centre. So soccer was, you know, in a Saturday morning. And then from then on, it'd be down at the hockey centre. Mum and dad would have a game or umpiring or, or coaching or whatever. So I don't know when it exactly it, it switched, but um, there became a point where I couldn't sort of do both super competitively. Um, that would have been around year seven um, where or year six where games were starting to clash and, and there was becoming some sort of uh, representative stuff maybe from from both sides where um, it wasn't necessarily working doing both. So I remember vividly a 
must have been a Friday night because normally hockey was Friday nights and soccer was Saturday mornings. And um, for some reason, we had a soccer game Friday night. It was part of the knockout cup or whatever it used to be. And mum was coach of the soccer team. And so for whatever reason, mum wouldn't let me play hockey and wanted me to play soccer. And it was a semi-final in the hockey and she wouldn't let me go play the hockey game until I finished the soccer game. And I remember oh. getting to the hockey game with about 10 minutes to go. And I was furious. I don't know what the score was, but I was furious that I didn't get to play the hockey game. I must have been at that point that I wanted to be at the hockey field and um, trying to help my team win there. So your hockey career sort of starts to kick off a little bit and you're in that sort of Tasmanian hockey state team, you're doing the nationals and all that sort of stuff. When did, when did, I guess, when did your eye sort of turn to maybe, I want to play hockey for Australia because you've got a lot of hockey stars in the Australian hockey team that are from Tasmania, like obviously Eddie Ockington and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. When did that sort of turn for you? Yeah, I, don't, I was always, um, like once I started doing hockey competitively and like you said, made those sort of state teams and was playing in the national carnivals, it was always on like the radar that I wanted to get to get to the next step. But I was probably a bit naive or a bit um, unaware of what the process really was or like what the next sort of stepping stone was, I suppose, definitely early on. And it all sort of, um, it all sort of just happened um, in sort of from 2013, 2014, that sort of period. Like you said before, there's many, many great Tasmanian hockey players, um, both male and female, who've gone on to do incredible things, Eddie, um, obviously, I think being at the top of that list, so um, Wellesley and, and a few others. But um, I wanted to be wanted to be like them, and, and I suppose coming from Tasmania, where maybe our depth wasn't quite so good, maybe I, I stood out a little bit more in terms of the state stuff in the Tasmanian team. But it was always we go away and play in New South Wales or Queensland. Like all their guys were like me, like they were all really good. So yeah, I didn't really get too serious, and suppose until. I made my first sort of junior Australian camp, which um, was the beginning of 2014, which was then a pretty quick turnaround to then make the development squad at the beginning of 2015, with pretty much a year's experience or even knowing what the sort of Australian program was about. But again, that camp was a junior thing, didn't really involve the seniors at all. So yeah, it was pretty quick from when it did happen. How did the um, move to um, Perth sort of come about? Like the way it works um, is so the National Training Centre. So uh, I suppose the AIS, if you refer to it that way, is based out of Perth. So much like um, a lot of the sports are based out of um, Canberra and the AIS there, um, our National Training Centre is based out of Perth. So basically it means that unless there's circumstances like you've got a young family or something and you, and you move back to your original state, pretty much everyone moves to Perth to train for 10 or 11 months out of the year. Yeah, when, when you're a young hockey player growing up, it's always like the discussion about, oh, like, when do you think you go to Perth or to try and, try and I suppose, further your hockey career. The, the lucky thing for me was that it was sort of taken out of my hands. So a lot of players have to, um, or in an attempt to get seen and recognised more, move to Perth without sort of that scholarship or, or anything like that. Whereas I was lucky, like I said, at the end of 2014 um, for the 2015 season, I was sort of offered a scholarship to take up as part of the development squad. So there was 27 in the senior squad and then two guys who were part of the development squad but got scholarships. I was lucky enough to be one of those two. So it was not necessarily a matter of, of choosing to go to Perth, but more I was required in Perth, which is a yeah. great thing to then try and um, to try and crack that senior squad and, and play for Australia. Yeah, right. That's that's pretty cool. Um, I heard a little bit of a rumour that um, you're pretty scared of flying. <laughs> Do you want to sort of touch on that a little bit? Yeah, no, that's um, 
That's very true. I was thinking about um, my fears and stuff like that before. Um, and yeah, flying's definitely up there. Like you said, I can remember state trips under 13s, under 15s and being in tears on the plane because I was so scared of falling out of the sky. Which sounds silly to, to talk about, but um, it's one of those irrational fears I have. It gets better and I, we've been doing a lot of flying now. So I've been lucky in the sense that I've gotten a bit better at it. But yeah, those those under 13s, under 15 sort of years. I remember pleading with mum to try and drive me to wherever the National Carnival was. We'd catch the spirit of Tassie over and then we'd drive the Dallin if we had to. That was that was what was thinking in my head. I didn't have to do the driving, so it would have been all right. Yeah, I was petrified. What's it about flying that scares you the most? I don't know. I think um, like when it was at its peak and when I was really really worried about it i wouldn't like the thought of sleeping on a plane never crossed my mind i was never at a stage where i could relax half enough to fall asleep to the point where i was googling like flight statistics and looking up what plane i was going to be on a week out like proper anxiety about it yeah i think it was i don't know maybe lack of lack of control like even like if i'm going to drive somewhere i like to be driving purely just because i'm in control like i did i remember walking the point to pinnacle once with mum and a few others and on the way back down we were on those buses like winding around um the top of mount wellington i remember thinking like geez like if this driver doesn't know what he's doing we're going to go off the edge here and that's an irrational thought but you know and if i was driving the bus then i'd be fine because i knew or trusted myself that i wouldn't do it and not to say that you know i mean like the air travel's so safe but i've had to really work on yeah a bit of self-talk i suppose and convincing uh, myself that it's all right and all the the safety stuff and the training that the pilots do i'd never normally think about the hockey trip as soon as i got in a team i'd just worry about the flight i'm yeah. much happier with both my feet on the ground that's for sure what was that transition from hobart to perth like obviously having to leave your friends and family behind and especially your girlfriend hillary who you guys have um obviously been together for a long time can you sort of touch on that yeah it was it was incredibly tough i think like i was saying before i didn't i didn't expect to go to perth particularly like be required in perth when i did middle of 2014 i had a chat with the tis coach um, Andrew McDonald and we sort of spoke about what my progression might look like and depending on a few tournaments and how I played it was sort of like oh maybe after Rio we might look at going to Perth in 2017 to to have a bit of a crack and then four weeks later I found out I was going to Perth. From that perspective um, it was a really quick sort of transition to leave Hillary um, and to move over was extremely tough. Something that I'm very grateful that she gave me the um, the confidence and um, belief to do it. We'd probably been dating for maybe a year when when it all happened. So we were relatively fresh and in that sense, but she was very, very keen on me pursuing my dream, which I, I something I really value. And obviously now we've been dating for, for six years six or so years so I know that that's the sort of person she is and I really um, admire that about her so her ability to let me follow my dreams and and vice versa and she, while she stayed back and completed her her medical degree and then like you said it was it's been bloody awesome to have her over um, she moved over took up a job at the start of this year once she graduated so yeah that's been incredible um, and then family as well without mum dad and Hayden for a pretty um, yeah I suppose interesting part of my life when I moved over I was um, 19 um, and a pretty naive young 19 year old who hadn't lived out of home apart from two weeks at a time on a state hockey trip with a couple of other boys. So it all happened very quickly and we didn't get too much time to think about it. So I just sort of rolled with it, but I'm sure there was, I don't know, maybe some apprehension from my parents' perspective, just that like how I was going to go. But I was lucky to, to move in with some really good people over here and um, got looked after by a lot of, lot of good people. So yeah, I think it was a, um, it was a huge step, but I think something that has made me, um, yeah, made me a better person, I believe. So in 2015, played your first um, game for the Australian hockey team. You were actually put down to play 
in Tassie because there was going to be a game in Hobart and that was actually going to be your first game. But unfortunately, you got injured. Do you sort of want to talk about um, obviously getting selected into that team and then uh, making your debut? Um, when I moved over to Perth at the beginning of 2015, I came over with an injury. My hips have given me a bit of grief over the years. Um, and so I had just had my left one operated on. So basically when I joined the squad um, in 2015 as one of those extra, I suppose, development squad guys, I wasn't training. That tournament you spoke of in, in Hobart was in, I think it was May. And I remember when I first moved over, um, like I said, I still wasn't training and um, wasn't necessarily involved too heavily. But I remember thinking that, like, if I could get back, then maybe, you know, I mean, it might be one of those things where the coaches go, oh, for whatever reason, we'll let Josh debut in Hobart because it'd be really cool for him and his family and all the rest of it. So as that date got closer and my rehab was sort of still ticking along, but not quite as quickly as um, maybe I'd hoped, but um, in hindsight, probably the right thing, those sort of games in Hobart became less of a, less of a chance. I was probably maybe a month or two off being able to play. Um, so in a way that, that was disappointing, but at the same time, it was definitely not um, a given that I would have even been selected or, or got to play. So at the time I was just sort of trying to soak it all in um, and just, to being on the pitch to hopefully get an opportunity to play at some point because once I made that development squad and was training in Perth yeah the the debut and the opportunity to play for Australia seemed pretty close or at least um yeah there was an opportunity there so I was really keen to to play a game and sort of get get in amongst the team you ended up making your debut in New Zealand yeah yeah and um you actually scored you actually scored on your first game. So what was that feeling like and obviously making your debut? Yeah, um, so debuted um, towards the end of October in 2015. So that was just after our National Hockey League. So we, um, like as a senior group, I played for Tassie. Um, it was, the tournament was up in Darwin. And that would have been, I think, maybe early October. And the plan was um, I was supposed to go and I was part of the junior squad as well at the time. And so after that tournament in Darwin, I was supposed to fly home back to Tassie and then myself, Hayden and Jack were all going um, over to Malaysia to play in a junior tournament over there, which would have been my first junior games for Australia as well. But I remember I found out um, we had a junior catch up uh, maybe mid tournament, just so happened that all the, the junior Australian guys were over there playing the tournament for their respective states. The coach came up and said, Hey mate, you're not going, you're not going away with us. I was a bit confused at the start. And then he said, because you're going away on this um, Kookaburras tour instead. So that was a, um, yeah, unreal um, conversation. I was looking forward to the, the trip um, with the junior guys, particularly with Hayden and Jack to, to Malaysia and to play over there. But yeah, obviously absolutely ecstatic once I found out that I was going to debut in New Zealand. And yeah, I suppose the debut itself. So the, we play an Oceana Cup basically every, every second year, which... Is a, is a big thing for us because it normally gives us an Olympic qualification or a World Cup qualification or something like that. So albeit not a huge tournament with a lot of teams, it's normally quite important for the Cookboroughs in terms of ranking points and, and qualifying for another big tournament. At that time in 2015, Australia had already qualified for the Rio Olympics the next year, but New Zealand hadn't done too well in their previous tournament. So they needed to beat us to go um, to Rio at that time. And as part of that Oceania Cup, tournament there was also a couple of other teams so Fiji and Samoa and um, our first game was against, um, was against Fiji and yeah it was one of the weirdest experiences of my life obviously debuting for Australia was incredible um, but the chat around the hotel before our first game was like along the lines of let's try and be respectful you know what I mean like don't do anything too silly these like we don't want to hurt anyone and I was 
a bit confused, um, but it like so it turns out those sort of island nations aren't quite as competitive as what we are, just purely based on um, depth and and everything like that. So that first game we won fourteen nil, and I think the score was about twelve nil or something towards the end of the game, and we got a penalty stroke. And so for whatever reason, all the boys thought it would be a good idea for, for me to go and take it. And I like normally in a big tournament, we've got this hierarchy and yeah. I wouldn't be sent anywhere near it. But in hindsight, it was, it was very cool. And so I went up there and, and took it and, and nearly missed, but snuck it in. <laughs> something I'll, ever, I'll never forget. Hope you're enjoying the conversation with Josh so far. Throughout the next section of the podcast, I'll be asking him to kindly share with me the time he faced the challenge, setback or failure, how it affected him, what he learned from it, and any advice to be willing to offer. Yeah, you, you raised this with me the other day and, and gave me a bit of a chance to think about it. And I was having a bit of a think about what I could say. And I was thinking back a little bit about um, when I was um, not quite in the, I suppose, national radar as a maybe under 15, under 16 kid and sort of what challenges I faced then. And I remember playing some state state games and I wasn't probably where I needed to be fitness-wise. And for whatever reason, um, yeah, it just got to that point where, I noticed that I was coming last in the running and um, yeah, not being able to perform where some of my mates were. And we had we had a really good group of guys at that Tassie, Tassie level that I grew up with, um, Ollie Lane and Alistair White, and I could go on. But a few of those guys, so um, Whitey and those sort of people got um, started getting in like a future squad. And I remember there was one that for whatever reason, I didn't get, didn't get picked and I, I didn't expect to get picked or anything like that. I remember thinking that I would have liked to have been um, and that I probably could have done if I had worked harder or, or played better or whatever it was. So, yeah, my thing's not necessarily about a, a one particular challenge, but it was about yeah. Um, me, yeah, realising, I think, what it what it took or, um, yeah, what it was required to, to maybe get to that next level. And it was around the same time I joined the TIS and was given a lot of extra support through that. But there became a point where I started to discover what I was good at at hockey um you've got to be pretty good all round but something that stuck with me is a few coaches have told me and other players to use your weapon and i think for me i discovered what i was good at um, from a hockey perspective and whether that was my passing ability or um ball carrying or anything like that i think i started to to harness what i was good at and i think that's probably where it got me to the the next stage yeah for me the the challenge wasn't necessarily like a black and white injury although i've had a couple of those it was more um yeah realizing not quite where i wanted to be and then how i managed to change that and and it's something i still work on to this day with like non-selection and things like that um yeah it's about being able to overcome that and then work out why why maybe you're not where you are and then what do you got to do to get there and it's definitely not um too clear cut all the time but i enjoy the process of trying to work out where that is do you feel as if being from Tassie plays a bit of a role when it comes to a bit that exposure on that national stage compared to like those who come from Victoria and New South Wales? Yes and no. I think um, there's probably always going to be maybe a little bit of bias, but I think um, another thing that one coach said is that like you're always going to look better in a good team. Not to say that our Tassie teams were not good at all, but when you're when you're winning games and you're successful, I think you it's easier maybe to look better. And I suppose being on the right end of a result definitely helps that. But I think the the good thing about um, Tasmanian hockey is that we've always been so competitive. Um, and like you said before, with the the Olympians and the, the great hockey players that have gone before me and are still there. Um, 
it gives you that belief that that anything's possible. And I truly believe now that Tassie's just as competitive as any other state, basically. And we still play like we're the underdog, which I think is a cool thing. But we definitely, from my perspective, I don't feel like the underdog, which, yeah, I suppose if we could instill in um, all the, the junior Tassie teams coming up, it would be pretty special. You talked about when you didn't get selected into those teams. And I guess this is where the whole mindset of like you're touching on comes into play like you can obviously go two ways when you don't get selected into a competition or into a team um how did you sort of look at things when you didn't like that first time you didn't get picked yeah um i really enjoy i suppose playing hockey and um the camaraderie and the mateship in that and i think with the the non-selections particularly early on um it didn't really feel like a um a non-selection or a like you're not good enough it was purely just a um, opportunity for me I think to improve and grow and to get better um, and even of late um, with non-selections and things like that of which there have been a, a couple I've enjoyed the fact that I can still go back to training and have fun with my mates with a competitive edge and so for me yeah I'd love to play every every game and to be selected on every team but at the same time I'm what, just turned 25 um, training with the Cookaburras which has been a dream of mine forever and to get to run around with, with mates and then go have a coffee after the after training's pretty special. So at those times when I don't get selected, of course it's it's um, really difficult and I feel upset and, and want to obviously change it. But I do my best to try and sort of flip my mindset and try and try and be grateful for for the opportunities I am given and the position that I'm in because there's a lot of people out there who don't even get the chance to be not selected. So if I keep working hard and um, keep doing what's asked of me, then um, I'm sure that I'm sure those selections will come. But until then, if I'm not enjoying it or I get disheartened and fed up about the non-selections, then wasting my time, I think. So. No, it's awesome. That's a really good way to look at things. And uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, I guess what's one, um, one thing you maybe learned about yourself uh, while you're going through or through all of that? I learned that I'm, um, I play things pretty safe. And I think that's something that I'm still working on in terms of my hockey or, and, um, and things like that. But more so just like I'm very happy to just be a, I don't know, a piece of the puzzle. Like I'd, I want the team to do well. I want everyone else to play well around me. And sometimes at this level, there's guys that can do that and more. Well, everyone, I think, in the Cookaburra squad can do that and more. So for me, it's about learning to go harder and to push myself out of push myself out of my sort of comfort zone in terms of what I'm good at. I spoke before about like using my weapon and doing the things I'm good at, but it's about doing that more often or in the big moments. I think in the past, I don't think I have done. I have probably have for a Tasmanian type team, but not for a, an Australian team. And I'm still sort of discovering how I do that and what that looks like because I think for me, it's a lot more mental than it is anything else. It's not like I can say it now and I want to go out there and play big and um, take the game on and all the rest of it. But actually doing that on the field is a completely different thing. For me, the last little bit's just been about learning, learning how I can do that and, and ways I can bring the best out of myself in those big, big games. No, I love that. Thanks, Ace, for sharing that, Josh. Really, really appreciate it. It's good to sort of see how, how you've learned from um, the setbacks you've had. Um, I got some rapid fire questions for you before we, uh, before we wrap up. What's, what's your favourite movie? I remember purely for the first time I watched it, I remember watching Hot Rod. I remember like laughing so much that my sides hurt. Barbecue or tomato sauce? I like both, but if I had to pick one, what are we, like, what's the context? Like, am I putting just, it on the sausage? Just or like, like if you had to live with one of these for, for the rest of your life. Barbecue? I think barbecue. <laughs> um, all right, so fridge or pantry? I would have said pantry back when I was living at home, but um, yeah, of late I've had it in the fridge and I've 
lock it out of the fridge. Thanks heaps for coming on, Josh. That's all I've got for you. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you sharing your story and what you've got going on at the moment. No worries. Thanks for having me on. I um, love what you're doing. So keep up the good work.